All right, well, I want to thank you all, first of all, for being here today. And um, initially, thinking I had 20 minutes, and that's what I'm sticking to today, I knew that I'm going to keep this uh, very selective in, in what I choose to talk about today. First of all, I would like to say that I'm not claiming to be an expert in Islam who knows every single thing about Islam, but as someone who has grown up in Egypt, which is a predominantly Muslim country, who has worked at the Saudi embassy for five years, uh, who has studied the Quran and Islam in the Arabic language for probably eight years now, uh, I thought I'd share with you some of the things that I learned that I think would be important for us as Christians, maybe even just as Americans, to, to know about Islam um, and some of the insights into the, the Islamic culture, the Middle Eastern culture. Um, but first, I want to make a distinction uh, between Islam and Muslims. Uh, in the same way as Christians, we know that not everyone who calls himself a Christian is actually a Christian. Not everyone who calls himself a Muslim is actually a Muslim. So when I talk today, I'm going to be talking about Islam, Muslims, and true Muslims. Okay, these, these are the, the three terms that I'm going to be using today. Islam, Muslims, and true Muslims. Second, I want to uh, dispel the myth of radical Islam. I want to dispel the myth of moderate Islam. There's only one Islam. Okay, so that, that's also something that needs to be, to be clear. And the media in, drills this into us. Even Pastor Charlie now he said, I'll be talking about uh, radical Islam. There's only one Islam. So I, hopefully, hopefully that will, will become clear as we go on. So if you're unclear, just, just hang in there. Hopefully things will start making sense. Now, first of all, let's start with the word Islam. You might have heard on, the, uh, on, on television, in the media, that Islam means peace. Uh, well, that's the first thing that's not true. Islam does not mean peace. The word Islam means submission. It's someone who submits. So therefore, who is a, a true Muslim? A true Muslim is one who submits to Allah, their God, and to Muhammad, whom they believe to be his prophet or his messenger. For Muslims, the Quran is the very word of God. They believe that the Quran was dictated by Allah, their God, through Gabriel, the angel, to Muhammad. So they believe that the Quran is the very word of God verbatim, word for word. But there's a problem with the Quran. There are many problems, but one simple problem when it comes to understanding it is that it's a book without context, which means that when you read two verses next to each other or, uh, or a paragraph, two verses may be from two different periods of time. They may be talking to two different groups of people. They may be from, they may be completely different. The context might be completely different. So it's not like, like us for Christians where we say context is important, know what came before, know what came after, know the context in the book and where it is in the Bible. No, this is not, in, in Islam it doesn't work that way. Well, what does a good Muslim do then, a diligent Muslim who wants to understand Islam? He has to go to secondary sources. And the main secondary source that he would have to go to is the hadith. The hadith simply means the sayings of the Prophet Muhammad. So these are not in the Quran that, is, that they believe is verbatim, the word of God. This is um, things that the Prophet said and people recorded it. Uh, 
Now there's an issue with that as well. The hadith, there's more than one collection of hadiths. And the hadiths were collected really hundreds of years after, after Muhammad. So basically you have different groups of people uh, claiming different hadiths. So, and they have a classification system. So some, some hadiths or sayings that, that they could verify came from Muhammad, uh, they, they call these ones um, like sure or, or, or good or authentic. And then some other ones they call weak or even reach to the point where they call it fabricated. So they still have it in there because someone somewhere said, Muhammad said this, but they will say, look, it's fabricated. We cannot verify that it was actually uh, spoken by Muhammad. Now, you might be asking, well, why am I telling you this? Well, several reasons. But first, um, the hadith is second to authority only to the Qur'an. So you have the Qur'an, and then you have the hadith, and the biography of Muhammad, his life story, but, but mainly, mainly the hadith. Second, much of Islamic practice comes from the hadith. For example, and, and this will be prevalent if you talk to Muslims and they say, oh, well, you know, I only go by the Qur'an, especially like if, if you bring out some scandalous hadith uh, or a hadith that does not portray Islam or Muhammad in a good way. They say, oh, I don't believe, I don't believe in, in the hadith. Well, you ask him, do you pray five times a day? Yes, I do pray five times a day. Well, that's not in the Qur'an. That comes from the hadith. So, so that's, that's, that's one thing right off the bat that, that shows you a, whether this person really knows his, his faith, and B, whether he's applying what he knows consistently. Um, another thing why I brought this up is that it shows that the theology is malleable. What does that mean? If you have a group, if you have some hadiths that are agreed upon uh, by a group of people, but not agreed upon by another group of people, then it's binding for this group, but it's not binding for that group. They're like, well, I, I don't consider this hadith to be genuine, and therefore it's not, it's not binding to me. I, I, don't have to, uh, I don't have to play by these rules, you know, they're not in my, part of my rule book. Now, we especially see this come into play in the two major sects of Islam. In Islam, you have many sects, but the two major divisions are you have Sunni Islam, which forms the majority, and Shiite Islam, which forms the minority. And, and within these, there are, there are many different sects, obviously. Now, if you want to understand the mess that's going on in the Middle East or in any Islamic nation, follow this divide. This divide will always explain what is going on. For example, in Syria you have Shiite President Bashar al-Assad. He is, he is Shiite, okay? Belongs to the Shia sect. All the other Sunni nations in the Middle East want to bring him down. Well, why? Because they are Sunni. He is Shiite. They can't stand him. They can't stand the Shiites. Um, well, why is Iran supporting Bashar al-Assad? Iran is a Shiite nation. So it's always, it's always like, I'm going to support my home team. That's, that's, that's what it's always about. The same thing, why Saudi Arabia bombing the Houthis in Yemen? Well, the Houthis are Shiites. <laughs> Saudi Arabia is Sunni. And so on and so forth. You, you, you get the idea. Just, just follow that divide. You will be able to understand, well, who's friends with whom and, and who hates whom. 
you might be thinking, well, that's, that's fair enough. That's, that's over there. That's, that's in the Middle East. What about, what about us? We're not Sunnis. We're not, we don't have a dog in this fight. You know, we're, we're atheists, Christians, you know, nuns. Um, so why, 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 are they, why are they after us? Are such acts of terrorism that we see in France and the U.S. and so on and so forth, are these acts justified in Islam? The answer is yes. I will read to you some of the texts from Islam, from the Quran and the Hadith, um, so that you can hear the voice of Islam itself. So in Sahih Bukhari, which is one of the collection of the sayings, okay, uh, it's one of the most respected collection of sayings of the Prophet Muhammad. It says uh, that Muhammad said, um, I, have been, I have been made victorious through terror. I have been made victorious through terror. Chapter 8, verse 60 of the Quran says, or instructs Muslims to strike terror into the enemies of Allah. Strike terror into the enemies of Allah. Well, that raises an interesting question. You might be wondering, well, who are the enemies of Allah? You know, uh, well, according to Islam, it is anyone who does not submit to Allah and his messenger. Um, so we read in another collection of Muhammad's sayings called Sahih Muslim, another highly respected collection of hadiths, that Muhammad said, I will expel the Jews and Christians from the Arabian Peninsula and will leave and will not leave any but Muslim. Uh, another saying uh, in this same collection attributes Muhammad as saying, I have been commanded to fight against people till they testify that there is no God but Allah, that Muhammad is his messenger, is the messenger of Allah. And they establish prayer and pay zakat. Zakat is something like, like tithes in Christianity. And if they do it, their blood and property are guaranteed protection on my behalf, except when justified by law and their affairs rest with Allah. So we simply see that just not being a Muslim is grounds for war to be waged against you. Now, does that mean that all Muslims are dangerous or violent? No, absolutely not. The majority of Muslims are peaceful people. The problem with these peaceful Muslims is that they are selective in their theology and that the majority of them do not stand up to the violent Muslims. See, the problem starts with the beginning of Islam and the beginning of the writing of the Quran. So when Muhammad began trying to attract followers to his new religion in Mecca, uh, which is a city in Arabia, now known as Saudi Arabia, and this, this was early 7th century, Islam was weak when he was trying to attract followers. So during that period of time, you see peaceful verses in the Quran. So we read uh, this verse about tolerance saying, surely we, and this is Allah speaking in, in the Quran, Allah always speaks in, in, in the language of the plural because it's um, the majestic we, okay? So surely we have revealed to you the book, the Quran, with the truth for the sake of men. So whoever follows the right way, it is for his own soul, and whoever errs, he errs only to its detriment. And you are not a custodian over them. 
So that's that's like this is the truth. Take it or leave it. Basically, you're 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 not to coerce. You're not to do anything. Now the people of Mecca refused to accept uh, Muhammad's message and his new religion, and eventually he was forced to flee to Medina, another city in uh, in Arabia. Now during the beginning period of Medina, we still see some some of those peaceful verses. So, for example, we read uh, a verse in, um, in the Quran that says, there is no compulsion in religion. Well, that's, that's fantastic. That's wonderful. There's no compulsion in religion. I don't have to force you to believe something. You don't have to force me to believe something. However, this started changing very quickly. As Muhammad grew more powerful and as Islam grew stronger militarily, the Quran starts taking a different stance towards the unbelievers. So we read in the Quran, fight those who do not believe in Allah or in the last day and who do not consider unlawful what Allah and his messenger have made unlawful and who do not adopt the religion of truth, Islam, from those who were given the scripture, that's Jews and, and, and Christians, fight until they give the jizya willingly while they are humbled. The jizya is, is um, they, 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 they want to call it a tax, but it's really, um, it's really a fee that you pay, but you have to pay it uh, while you feel yourself subdued and humiliated. And in, in Egypt, we read the history of the Christians in Egypt, and, and it, was, it was just unbelievable the things that they would have them do when Islam first came to Egypt. They, like, they, they would force them to go pay this jizya while they are in chains. Um, they, they would leave them in the sun, you know, all, all day long. And all their, like the Christians were just waiting to pay the jizya, you know, so you, they wouldn't get their heads lopped off. And they would just leave them in the sun, you know, all the way, you know, from noon till, till three, just, just standing there in chains. Um, so, so that is the jizya, because that's another thing that comes up sometimes in the news. And people say, oh, no, 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 this is like the tax that you pay in America. If you live in a Muslim country, you pay a tax. No, that's not what it is. That's never uh, how it was intended to be. We also read in the Quran, O Prophet, strive against the disbelievers and the hypocrites. Be harsh with them. Their ultimate abode is hell, a hapless journey's end. Okay. Another verse in the Quran to the same effect says, O believers, fight the unbelievers who are near to you and let them find in you harshness and know that God is with the God-fearing. Harshness. It's, it's, this is the language of the Quran. I did not translate this from the Arabic into English. These are translations that you can find on the internet on Muslim uh, sites. So, Back to our dilemma between uh, the peaceful Muslims and the real Muslims. We see that the Quran contains both kinds of verses, right? The Quran contains the peaceful verses, and it also contains the violent verses. So how, how should Muslims live? That's, that's a natural question that, that one would think about. Well, you have the peaceful verses, and you have the violent ones. How, do they, how should they live? Well, it comes... It comes down to interpretation. And unfortunately, the peaceful Muslims lose when it comes to interpretation because they try to play interpretation games. <coughs> what they say is, they say, no, no, no. See, here's, here's, here's where you violent Muslims are wrong. 
The peaceful verses are for all time. But the violent verses are directed against uh, a, a certain group of people for a certain period of time. So that's, that's, that's their explanation. A couple of problems with that. First, um, the history of interpretation of the Quran does not support that. You cannot find any of the interpreters of the Quran, especially the, the early ones, who, who would agree with anything like that. The other problem is that the life of Muhammad and his followers affirms the violence found in these verses. Now, and the true Muslims know this very well. So do the true Muslims choose violence because they prefer violence over peace? Is, is, is that it? Is, that, is it just a matter of preference? No. They do it because the Quran teaches that when you have two verses that contradict each other, you always go with the one that was revealed later. Uh, for example, we read in the Quran, this is from the Quran itself, whatever communications we abrogate or cause to be forgotten, we bring one better than it or like it. Do you not know that Allah has power over all things? So this verse provides the principle of abrogation, again, which simply states, the later revelation trumps the earlier revelation. Uh, this principle of abrogation is applied to alcohol, for example. So with alcohol, first the Quran was like, well, it has some benefit, but it also has some sin. At a later stage of revelation, you see, it's, you see the Quran saying, don't come to prayer while you're under the influence of alcohol. And at a yet another later stage of um, of revelation, it says alcohol is forbidden. Now, now this 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 example I found it interesting. Uh, not because we're Baptists, but uh, I thought I thought it's interesting because it reveals an important truth in that all Muslims today know that they should not be drinking alcohol. All of them know that. Even the liberal ones who drink alcohol know that it's wrong, that they should not be doing this. Which is very interesting, because why, why do you believe that drinking alcohol is wrong? You know, Because they are applying the law of abrogation. They understand that there was a point of time where it was okay, just don't, don't overdo it before prayer. And then they understand, they understand that after a certain point it became, no, don't, don't do it, don't touch it, don't, don't handle it. So it seems that they are applying the, 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 the principle of abrogation when it comes to alcohol, and yet when it comes to the violence in the Quran, they, they choose not to apply it. Why? Because they, they refuse to believe that this is the faith that they have believed. This is the, the religion of their fathers. This is, I can't, I'm not going to accept that my God, whom I have worshipped all my life, is like that. I'm not going to accept that the prophet whom they told me is the, is the holiest of the two worlds is like that. So they just refuse it um, out of dogmatism. So the true Muslim is the one who consistently applies the rules of interpretation to the Quran and the Hadith and lives by them. So that is why ISIS is not just a bunch of murderers. They are also very good Muslim theologians. They, 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 they go to the book, they go to the hadith, and, and they, they are very faithful to it. And that is why, interestingly, in the Middle East, you can't, for example, the Azhar University in Egypt, they are unable to call them infidels. 
Because in Islam, once you call someone an infidel, that means you can, their blood is permissible. But the Azhar University is unable to do that. Why? Because <laughs> ISIS, whenever they do something, they, they have a video, and they have the verse, and they have, the, they have everything. It's well documented. They're very good theologians. They're not just a, a bunch of, of murders. They're excellent theologians, Muslim theologians, obviously. Now, thank God that the majority of Muslims are not faithful to the religion like ISIS is. So, again, while there's only one Islam, and that is, unfortunately, violent Islam, there are two kinds of Muslims. True Muslims, who are violent, and they are the minority. And then you have Muslims, or we can call them nominal Muslims, who are the majority. Now, regarding the cultural aspect of the Islam, or the, especially the Middle Eastern culture, which is what I'm more familiar with, I would like to put your mind at ease. As a Christian, you can go up to a Muslim and talk to them about things of faith and religion. They are very open to it. They, 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 they would love to talk to you about spirituality and God and angel and, and the faith and your book and my book. They are completely open to that. Having said that, it is not going to be easy to, to win them to Christ. Like, like anything else, it's going to take a lot of prayer. It's going to take a lot of sacrifice. We have to be willing to form relationships with these Muslims. We have to be willing to, to, to invite them into our house and, and go to their houses and, and form relationships with them. So the only qualification that you need to, for reaching Muslims is the only qualification you need for reaching anyone else. That you, first of all, be saved. That's, that's, that's the first thing. So if you are saved and you know your own faith, then you can share your faith with Muslims. Also, you do not need to be an expert on Islam, but you do need to know your faith very well. Um, I think that's all the time I have or that I prepared for. I'd like to open it for questions and answers uh, if, you, if you have any. Am I hearing you right saying these two statements, genuine Islam is violent. Yes. Most Muslims are not violent. That, that seems to be the, the two false things we're catching on the news. Yes. Uh, one, genuine, the basic argument on the news is most Muslims are not violent. Mm. Ergo, genuine Islam is not violent. Mm -hmm. um, and what you're saying is it is true most Muslims are not violent. Mm. And that definitely seems to be the case. Mm -hmm. The problem is genuine law, if mm -hmm. followed rightly, mm -hmm. will lead to ISIS. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think that's why a lot of Muslims are uncomfortable with it because, and even some of them who know the history and know their religion, like they're like, okay, that's nasty, but it was back then. Now we've kind of evolved somehow. But then when ISIS comes and puts, puts everything on display, kind of puts up a mirror to Islam, they're like, man, like it, it's just, it makes them look bad and, and they don't like it. And, and, and that's the problem. So yeah, that is, that is true. Muhammad, give us a time period. When does he live? He, he, he was born um, in, I think, 570 and then uh, got his first revelation about uh, when he was at the age of 40. Uh, so you're, taking, you're talking early 7th century. Um, obviously. Yeah, yeah. This is a this is a relatively recent religion mm -hmm. in terms of the history of mankind. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Um, and, and, and Muslims would use that actually to, to, to claim that it's divine. You know, well, look, we, you know, we haven't been around as much as Judaism or Christianity, but look at our followers. True, but at the same time, but at the same time, it is true. History records that Islam spread by the by the sword. So, for example, in Egypt and the Middle East, the, the basically Islam would come into a country and give them three options: you either convert to Islam and you live in peace, you know, whatever that means, or you pay you pay the jizya, which, as I said, is like you know that's something you pay while you're being humiliated, and there were no rules for the jizya. So today we could choose to exact. $20, tomorrow we could choose to exact $1,000 just because we need it for our wars. Or the third option is to fight. And what does that mean when you're, <laughs> when you're already been invaded? It simply means to get your head lopped off. Um, and, and, and in Egypt, we, you, had, you had people who refused and who couldn't afford it and they, had their, they were murdered. And then you had people who paid the, the jizya and, uh, and, and, and that's how they, they were able to maintain their faith. And that's why usually... Usually some people hear certain things about the Middle East, they're like, well, they say that the Christians, you know, are, are persecuted, but at the same time, it is noticed that the Christians are the most well-off people or some of the most well-off people. Well, that's because historically that's the way it was. The fact that they're Christians today means that they were at one point able to pay to maintain their identity. But even that is, is lost. The, the lang the, it eradicates the culture, it eradicates the language. Uh, I should not have grown up speaking Arabic, believe it or not, that we had a Coptic language, uh, but I, I don't know any of it. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if that answered the question. Yeah. Is it not true that it's going to their belief that the more people they kill, the more they're going to be rewarded? Uh, well, it's... Um, and, and the second part is, why do they behead them versus assassinate and kill them? I mean, why do they, do they get any different rewards by beheading them? Well, it's 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 the terror. It's the terror element. It's the I, I've been victorious through terror. Now, if I if I shoot someone in the head, I kill them. But if I behead them, it, it it it's it's something that sticks with you more. And it says something about me too. If I if I'm just willing to to behead someone and then go have a meal or just laugh about it, it just says something. These people. These people are, are, are vicious, you know, in the same way in the Old Testament where you would have like certain, certain groups of people, they were known to be ferocious fighters and, and they were feared, you know, just, just the, the, the hearing of their name, you know, causes a dread to the enemy. They're like, man, they're going to come, they're going to bash the babies against the walls, they're going to they're gonna kill us in the most horrendous ways. Um, so yeah. And, and when it comes, so when it comes to killing, killing the unbelievers, it really has something to do with the, the theology of jihad. Jihad basically says that if you kill or are killed in the way of Allah, in, which is Islam, fighting to, to promote Islam, then you are guaranteed heaven. You are, that's, that's the only way you're guaranteed heaven in Islam. The, now, other regular Muslims, you may go to heaven, you may not go to heaven, you don't really know. It's kind of a toss-up till, till the final moment. Another thing is, it avoids what's called the theology of the grave. All Muslims, all Muslims, they, they are scared. It's a phobia of the grave because they hear stories about this bold snake as if there are any other kinds of snakes, but it's like a bold snake, <laughs> a bold snake that's going to that's gonna come and do this to you and then the land is going to squeeze your ribcage till, till it pops and, and all of these things. But in Islam, it teaches only the jihadis, only those people who commit jihad, they're the only ones who are going to basically skip this step and all of a sudden you're in the midst of all these beautiful virgins and you have alcohol and honey and meat and, and everything else. Very sensual. 
Yeah, I mean, that's refined, but it's what's jihad always say? Uh, that's the only assurance of salvation mm -hmm. in Islam mm -hmm. is jihad. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that's why you see a lot of young people who have never even been, been married, and you see these videos there on the internet, they're like, you know, I know the other guys like the women, but I like the women way more. And like, they're excited about going to blow themselves up because they believe that in that moment, they're going to be in the, in the midst of all these, you know, a beauty pageant. So... What, what's the major differences between Sunni and Shia? And, and is it, are you born into it, or is it, you know, mm -hmm. you migrate from one yeah. to the other? Yeah. Well, yeah, well, I mean, the, sec the second question is, yes, you're born into it, but some people leave one sect and go to the other. The main, the main difference between the two, it has to do with succession. So Muhammad, Muhammad, basically, he was always forming allies with different people, and, and he promised different people different things. So he would say, it's like, if you do this for me, you will be my ally. You'll be my next caliph. So, so you'd be like, man, that's amazing. I'm going to be the next caliph. But then he promises his cousin Ali, you're going to be my next caliph. So once he died, they're like, I'm the caliph. No, I'm the caliph. And then, and then so you had a big descent. There are people who went and started following Ali, saying he's the, he's, he's, he's the rightful caliph, the rightful guided caliph. And then you have the other people, the Sunnis, who formed the majority, saying, no, 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 it's not Ali, it's this person. And, then, and that's why, actually, you see that the first, I don't know, three or four caliphs after Muhammad, they, they all died uh, violent deaths. Like, it was, it's political, really. Like, they, they were just murdered and... and um, so so that, that, that's the major difference. And then they have also differences in their theology. Um, like uh, uh, these people approve certain sayings of Muhammad, while these people don't approve these sayings of Muhammad. They're like, oh, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in, in Europe and in Islam, there's a lot of different views on Islam. Well, that, that's, that's, that's an excellent question. It depends, it depends who we're talking about. If, if, I mean, and, and, and it's different from one person to another. But if I'm, if I'm just a young guy hitting the bars and every day waking up next to someone I don't know and whatever, and then someone comes to me with the message of Islam and it's about discipline and it's about, it's about all these things, there is some, some sort of an appeal to it. You're like, it's kind of like someone like that who finds an appeal into joining the military. He's like, well, you know, the military is just going to give me the foundations that I need. It's going to make me a new person. I'm going to be a new man. It's the same thing with Islam. And at the same time, and I found this boggling for the longest time, women, I don't understand why women would join Islam because all the rewards in heaven are, are geared towards men. But again, I've seen a lot of testimonies on the internet of women, and, and basically they, they believe, they, which is completely false if you read the theology, that Islam respects women, and, and that the woman, the woman is honored in Islam. But look at you here in the U.S., they just exploit your flesh for advertising, and they just, they just keep messing with their heads in that way. And part of it is related to our education system. You know, when, when, we, when we're always teaching our children that America is, is evil and, and we're bad, and, 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 and there's a lot of financing from outside sources that, that comes into universities, and that's, that's another topic in and of itself. And I don't know if... Uh, I hope that some of you already have heard of these things, that it's not new to you, that, that Saudi Arabia contributes to certain, you know, uh, institutions to, to push a certain agenda. Is that... Is it the Hadith, H-A-D-I-D? Uh, uh, H-A-D-I-T-H, Hadith. And then in the plural, you add an S at the end. Okay. Is, that, is there an American Muslim who follow or use that here? 
it, it depends. It depends on the Muslim. Like I mean, if if he's if someone is devout, he will have to go to the hadith and he'll have to go to the biography of Muhammad. Because like I said, the Quran is a book without context, uh, and they have to use other books too. Because like you, you have, to, for example, you need a book to tell you to tell you when was this chapter revealed in the Quran. Because if this one is revealed after that one, then you, you do according to the teachings of this one and vice versa. So you just, for, for you to really learn about Quran, it's, it's an uh, unbelievable effort. Or you simply just choose your religious leader and basically he can indoctrinate you the way he wants. Yeah. 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 The most recent shooting in California, mm-hmm. the husband and the wife, mm-hmm. you know that he went over, got a wife, brought her back. They described him as being humble, mm-hmm. very easygoing, but yet this this was planned. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think that she was the corporate because she's the one that made a confession to Jihad? Mm-hmm. Or you, I mean, how do you think that situation planned out, and who was, do you think was the mastermind behind it? Well, in the first place, why is he seeking uh, a woman? A muhajjaba woman on his Islamic dating website. Like, I mean, he, he's obviously devout. You know, he's obviously, um, he, I think he's a, he's a true Muslim. Like, you know, he's someone who understands the theology very well who, and who applies, it, who applies it very consistently. So he is already seeking someone that, that is kind of similar to him in, in his beliefs. And that's why he, he went to Saudi Arabia and he married this woman from Pakistan. I mean, it's... Uh, it's it's a good it's a good fit. So I don't know who radicalized each other, or if it was just kind of a mutual thing. But but again, this just goes to show you how much they they value their religion and and they value service to that religion that they're willing to leave a six month old, you know, just and and she was nursing. She's willing to leave her and go and prob and knowing probably she's not going to come back. He he as well knowing the same thing, but they do it nonetheless. How do the Muslims look at the Bible, the biblical text? Mm, that's an excellent question. Again, I've spoken to many people at the Saudi Embassy. I've, I've spoken to to sheikhs and imams at mosques, and um, and basically the answer that they give you, which is not supported by the Quran, is that the that God revealed uh, the Torah, okay, and that was corrupted. And then he revealed the Zabur, which is the, the Psalms of David, and that was corrupted. And then he revealed the Injil, and that was corrupted. And then he's like, no more, I'm going to reveal the Quran, and I'm going to protect it. So, and then when you ask the logical question, well, how, why couldn't God do that with the first revelations? Why did he choose, you know, uh, fourth time a charm? You know, one imam told me, well, I can't answer all the questions. That was his answer to me. And, and, and then other people, other people they're, like, they're like, no, 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 see, the Quran basically preserves the, the, the truths in these books in, in, in the Quran. So basically, you, you will never get a, a clear answer. And that's one of the areas that's very problematic. Because throughout the, the, the Quran, it nowhere says that the texts have been corrupted. And you even have hadiths where like a couple of Jews come to Muhammad and, and they say to him, look, judge between us. And he, he, takes, he takes the pillow from under, from under him, puts, it, puts the, the, the book on top of it, and he says, I will judge by what has been revealed in this book. So you go from there and you tell them, well, if we have manuscript evidence showing that the text has not changed before Muhammad, it's the same during the time of Muhammad, it's the same after Muhammad, when was it changed? And who changed it? 
and and they don't have any they don't have any answers to, to these questions. Again, a lot of it is just a matter of uh, dogma. Yeah. Yes, in the Quran. In the Quran, you, see that's that's the thing. It it is there, and you have, for example, certain verses that says like those who cause mischief in the land, which again is very well. Who's co- I mean, how do you define mischief? And so so those who cause mischief in the land, for example, you can you can, can you can you can amputate their their arm and their leg from opposite sides, which causes them to be. Completely dependent, it causes them to be incapable of supporting themselves and just people who hate the society in which they live in. But yeah, that, that is that is in the Quran. Crucifixion is in the Quran too. You, you can crucify. And the Sharia mm-hmm. is, is that in the Quran? Sharia, Sharia is basically the synthesis of the Quran and the Hadith, is the jurisprudence. So they, they kind of try to codify things and bring it into law. But even Sharia, Sharia is, I mean, there are a lot of things uh, that different schools of Islam agree on. Like if someone changes their faith, they are to be killed, you know, uh, and things of that nature. But at the same time, um, if someone says, we want to Im- implement Sharia, well, which Sharia? You know, because the, again, even though there's agreement on a lot of things, there are a lot of areas in, in Sharia law that are not agreed upon. And again, Shiites have a different uh, a different uh, form of it than, than Sunnis and, and so on and so forth. Is, is one sect more prevalent in the U.S. than the other, or not just, just just by the the distribution of the like the numbers, Sunnis are the majority, so they're the majority here in in the U.S. Yeah, and and they're the majority everywhere. And is, is lying something I've read that it was okay to lie for your faith? Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yes, yes. It's it's um it's a, a it's called the theology of taqiyya, and taqiyya simply means that that you can you can lie if if that will accomplish a, a greater goal for for Islam. So again, with this with this guy in in California, like I mean, I heard just the week before. The people at the office collected money and gave it like for a baby shower or before then they collected money to give it for the baby. So I mean I can't I can't imagine him saying, Well, here's your money, you are I hate you, you know. He must have smiled in their face, he must have said thank you, or he must have said I appreciate it, even though deep down he knew that, well, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna tear you to pieces, you know. So yes, that is that is true. That's that's a teaching. I think this goes back to something you said earlier. That because most Muslims that you talk to are not violent, because Islam is, that means they don't know their religion very well. Mm-hmm. And they choose to ignore most of mm-hmm. Most of it I've met, it's the former. They really don't know. Yeah. I'm saying that to, to give it. We want to witness to Muslims. Mm-hmm. We don't want to draw back because we're scared. Mm-hmm. We don't want to. Uh, uh, you know, yeah, we need to deal with Islam as it is, but we got to witness to these mm-hmm. people. They've got to hear about Jesus. I'm a, all the stuff you're talking about. That's the most I've ever heard. I've never dealt with that with any conversation with any Muslim I've dealt with. Mm-hmm. My point is that that's incredible information. Mm-hmm. I just don't want us walking away scared that we need to understand the Quran and the Hadith and the and that was your point. Mm-hmm. All you got to know is the gospel. Mm-hmm. 
and most of these folks, they're, they don't. Let, the, most people just want me to shut up. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> we all believe the same thing. Mm-hmm. You just let me go, and I, you're going to your place. I'm going to my place. They're, you know, just shut up. Let's quit this conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, I, I'm just trying to hammer on. How do you know you're going to heaven? Because I don't think you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's usually where the conversation is going. Mm-hmm. Can you share some similar experiences and witness to my? Yeah, I mean. I mean, this, this is, uh, like, I mean, I used to have a lot of conversations with people at the Saudi embassy, so, and again, and, and you would talk about these things, and actually this, this person that I have in mind, he was very knowledgeable about, about Islam, um, but he always, uh, the front was, I'm peaceful, I'm fun-loving, and for the most part, he was, he, he, he was very, very jolly person, uh, no, no issues there, but you talk to him, and you talk about heaven and, and earth, and he would tell you stories from the hadith, you know, about this guy uh, who, who was so good all his life. And then when he died, he stood before Allah and said, Okay, show me my heaven. You know, I've, like basically I've earned it. And then God would tell him, Well, God shows him this scale. And he shows him that the gift of his eyesight is way more than any good thing that he has done. So at, so at the end of the day, basically God goes to him like, You're only coming into heaven because of my mercy. So I'm like, so they do have the concept of scales, but then like when you when you when you talk to them about the gospel and that it's all by God's mercy, they're like, oh well, we've got that too. So it's kind of like a supermarket, you know? Hey, what do you want? You want grace? You know, we want works. You want whatever? We we've got it. Whatever you want, we've got. You know, we'll, we'll serve it. So so I'm like, okay, that's I, I say, okay, that's fair enough. But at the end of the day, that means you still don't have assurance. You don't know. And and he's like, he's like, yeah, inshallah, inshallah. I've got you know, Lord willing, inshallah. Yeah. I, I heard this week on uh, one of the news. It was talking about uh, Islam, and then it then it was said that I, I guess I'm wanting to know what's the breakdown of, of people that are passive to the breakdown of people that are jihad mm-hmm. or Muslim, because they were saying that although most most uh, Muslims are peaceful. If you pin down and say this is the reason they did it, that a third of them are going to agree that it was justified. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, yeah, yeah, that, that's an excellent point. That's that's another thing. Like, I mean. Um, First of all, I can assure you there will not be a, a, an excellent statistic out there, like you know, where, where you can tell everything like excellent numbers. But you do have a percentage who are willing to kill and blow themselves up and, and everything. But you also have a percentage of people who are sympathizers. So basically, they agree that this is the right thing, but you know, um, I don't know if I can do it. It's kind of like a Christian. Well, I know God is calling me into missions, but you know, I just love it here. You know, it's very comfortable. I I don't want to go. So it's, it's kind of, I think it's kind of like that. So you do have a, a, a great percentage of people who are sympathizers, who are willing to sit there and cheer for it, but they're not willing to, to do it themselves. Um, the percentages are uncertain. What I believe, just, just generally from interacting with people, most of the people are peaceful because most of them do not know their religion. And I've seen it, I've seen it, I've seen it go both ways. Like I had a friend of mine, uh, we were really good friends in, in college, and, and, and he, was, he was always a devout Muslim, but he was, you know, open to, to talking and, and everything. I came to the U.S., 
don't know, three, four years later, I was like, I found his number. I'm like, let me call him. He's a good friend of mine. I called him, and he was just completely a different person. He had been radicalized and and uh, still was nice to me over the phone and everything, but like, uh, I was like, he, and he's telling me about Islam and like, you know, well, we have equality. I'm like, well, can I come as a Christian and share the gospel in the metro station in Egypt? He goes to me, no, why would we allow you to do that? You're obviously, you're teaching something that's false. So I'm like, okay, well, there, there you go. So you're not, you don't have equality. I don't, that's fine. You don't allow me to do that. But you, so he's been radicalized to the point. Um, it was, it was bad. Uh, followers, and then it gets to the point where they are educated in what they are believing. Yes. They, they have to choose. Yes. Yes. I mean, no, no puns intended, but it is kind of like a ticking time bomb in some cases. And at the same time, there are some people who, when they reach that point, they're like, I don't, I want none of, it, none of it, you know. And and they they just choose to, you know, become atheists or whatever till someone reaches out to them. <coughs> That's that's for, for for our understanding. It's I use it as a short shorthand, you know. That's a true Muslim, exactly. So we can we and radicalize could be once they're educated or once they know their faith well enough. But if our radical Christians, we live. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. Would you agree with the statement that the uh, gentleman that uh, was I think the spokesman for this uh, Muslim Reformation movement? Uh, when he said that Islam has been basically hijacked by a minority of very violent, radical jihadists. Mm-hmm. And he says, we are going to take back our religion. We believe in peace and uh, tolerance. And so that's the Islam. Yeah. That we, and he talked about, he was speaking for the majority. Yeah. Did you agree with that? Well, look, look at the history of the Christian Reformation. The Christian Reformation came by turning back to the scriptures, mm-hmm. right? The problem with Islam is the scriptures. So you can you cannot have a reformation in Islam. I I I'm, I firmly I believe with all my heart you cannot have a reformation of Islam unless you are willing to take out certain passages of the Quran and put them in the trash. And that will never like I'm a true Muslim. That would be over my dead body for you to do that because that is the very word of God. You're not going to touch a single letter of it. Um, even though historically the Quran has been messed with and corrupted and. That's a, a different discussion. But so the problem with, with that, I, I respect the, these people for what they're trying to do, and they're putting their necks out there. Yeah. But I'm like, you're losing. You know, it's it's an it's an uphill battle, and and you can't do anything because you're not armed. The texts are against you. The history is against you. Uh, so they make themselves to be targets also now, right? Yes. By making public statements. Yes. Like that. Yeah. They're, they're like an infidel. Exactly. And, that, and that's the thing. And that's the problem you even see in, in Muslim countries. You know, a lot, of, a lot of Muslims themselves are getting hurt because if, if, I, if I'm a true Muslim and you're not true Muslims, then, you know, it's my job to either, you know, call you to true Islam. And if you don't want to, then I'll kill you. You know. Um, I know it's not fair to make the answer this in quick uh, answer, but I'm curious. So you grew up in Egypt. Mm-hmm. I'm, we're here in 2011. We're watching the Arab Spring unfold. We're watching the news. We're seeing the uprising of students in Egypt. We're going, oh, great. This is a wonderful thing. Democracy is going to take over. Um, how? What's good what's bad about what happened with the uprising in, uh, in Egypt? Compare it now to, to before, good and bad. 
Because I'm just saying, our perspective at that time, good for the students, good for democracy. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think I think there's something to be said, like for the desire that someone would have to better themselves or better their, their country. But at the same point, uh, it, I think I think it was it was a horrible thing that happened because uh, I'm not talking I'm not saying this in an elitist way at all. But I don't think the Middle East is ready for democracy. And I mean, and and we're even seeing some of the problems here in the U.S. where democracy is failing us because if the people are not informed, democracy is really wasted. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I'm just going to go with someone who's going to promise me great things, or who you know, and 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 that's how it's going to work. But I think I think it was it was something that was very bad for for the for the Middle East because for me as someone who had studied the history of the Muslim Brotherhood and the, the Islamic movements and the older generations who actually lived under these things we knew that these are the people who are going to capitalize on it and take control. Uh, Egypt was an exception, and we can go into that. Um, I know we're running out of time. Uh, why things did not go well for the Muslim Brotherhood and they were taken down, but all the other places. That's it. They're done for, um, because Islam Islam would would ride these waves of anarchy. So would it be a fair statement to say that big picture, a Saddam Hussein, an Assad, and Gaddafi, uh, while dictators and a horrible thing, they might have kept the radical Islam yeah. calmer. Yeah. See, okay, this is maybe a little biased, but I'm gonna say it. I've known I've known Syrians, Christian Syrians, who said, look, Bashar al-Assad. He was a fair man. I was a Christian. You actually had freedom of, of religion in, in Syria under Bashar al-Assad. You, know, you had freedom of religion in, in Iraq. Like, you know, the Christians, they did not have any issues under Saddam. You know, but now, now you have, it's a, it's a systemic eradication of Christians and minorities. So for me, I'm like, well, were these people better than what we have now? Yes, but if you put human rights and, and like animal rights and, and some of the things we have here in the U.S., if, you, if, that's, if that comes number one for you, then, then you'll definitely disagree with what I have to say.